Welcome to Sermon Q&A. I'm Pastor Craig. This is Pastor Michael. Yesterday, we started a series on heaven and hell, fittingly on October the 31st. We're excited to be able to talk a little bit about that this morning with you with some follow-up questions. One of them being the way the church has morphed the conversation on what happens after life, yeah. what happens one minute after we die, which yeah. was the title of our message yesterday. Yeah. And one of the things that has been introduced over the historical life of the church is purgatory. So the question this morning is this, even though purgatory is not in the Bible, is it unbiblical? So let's start by defining what purgatory is. Some people might be parachuting into this episode and not have a history, and then we'll directly answer the question. So purgatory is a place for Roman Catholics uh, between hell and heaven, where um, if you do not have enough holiness or merit to be able to enter into the presence of God, you go to this in-between place and it's a place of suffering, um, torment for some, um, purification by fire to basically pay off your sins, particularly, and I'm going to say this a little crassly, but it, it's pretty direct and I think reflects both Catholic teaching and and um, um, their interpretation. So what Christ did not, what his sufferings did not accomplish for you, you now have to suffer for the sins that he did not suffer for. Um, there are a handful of things that a person in purgatory is going to have to pay off because Christ did not pay it off for them. Now, can I, can I just stop you real quick? Please. Yeah. Do you think that most people believe that purgatory is a place of suffering or just kind of an in-between holding tank? Uh, I, I, Catholics are all over the board. Okay. I think when we root ourselves in the catechism of the Catholic church, they're going to identify it as a place of suffering. And uh, there are all different uh, versions of Roman Catholicism, if you will, all over the world. And, but all of them believe minimally that there is suffering. There is trial by, not trial, but there's suffering by fire. Uh, it is a place of torment, but not everybody has it as bad. In fact, some of the tradition teachings on purgatory are that there are levels of purgatory. The mm -hmm. worst ones are the ones that are closest to hell and okay. the easiest ones are the ones that are closest to heaven. So that as you become more purified, as you get more merit or holiness, the closer you get to heaven. And at a certain point, you now have access into heaven so that the mm -hmm. goodness or badness of it it depends on, on how close you are. Um, again, the Roman Catholic Church's main teaching on this from their catechism from, from Rome is going to be, it's a place of suffering, uh, but the suffering can vary from person to person. And then you can imagine over the thousand plus years, how many different people have taught um, church tradition has kind of a few different statements on it. So the, the Roman Catholic Church believes at the end of the day, there are three aspects to the Roman Catholic Church. Number one, they call it the triumphant in heaven. Those are the souls who have died, gone to heaven, or gone through purgatory, suffered, paid the rest of the price for their sins, and then gone to heaven. They have the church militant on earth. And then finally, they have the church suffering in purgatory. And so these are, again, people who believe in God. They are in grace is how they say it. <clears throat> and they're going to one day pay off their sins in purgatory and they're going to have mm. access because they have the required level of holiness. Or they're getting it. Yeah, they're getting it. One day they're going to get there because they have it. So it. if they're in purgatory, they have enough faith for salvation, but not enough merit or holiness for salvation. Okay. And purgatory is the place where you go to get the merit or the holiness required. So the question the question, I love the way it's phrased because it says, even though purgatory is not in the Bible, now that is clearly a Protestant writing this. So if you are a Roman Catholic, they're actually not going to agree with the question mm. 
Because for them, they have a list of seven extra books called uh, deuterocanonical books. These are books written between the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, and the Gospels, the life of Christ. And there are a whole bunch of books written in this period. So, so yeah. just to clarify, the Roman Catholic Bible and the Protestant Bible are different. Correct. Okay. Um, the Protestant Bible has 66 books, and the Orthodox um, and the Catholic Bible have these, they're called deuterocanonical books. It's a subset of apocryphal books, a group of books written in the 400 years before Christ. They're written in the Greek language, and they tell, a lot of them are just the history of the Jewish people in this intertestamental period. Seven of these books for the Roman Catholics, plus a few sections like Bell and the Dragon after mm. the book of Daniel. I love Bell and the yeah, Dragon. Yeah, it's, it's a trip and a half. Daniel was great until you get to Bell and the Dragon and you're <laughs> like, ah. Um, but they, they see these as scripture. And I'll just say this because um, there's a Jewish council called Jamnia at the end of the first century. And their job was to identify what is the, what is the Jewish canon, what we call the Old Testament. Mm. Uh, the Council of Jamnia left all the de deuterocanonical books out. Uh, Jesus never references them or mm. understands them as scripture. The apostles never reference them or understand them as scripture. They're and, not referenced in the New Testament. They're not referenced mm -hmm. in the New Testament. And so it's interesting that, um, that the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church have taken these deuterocanonical books and uh, they have established them as scripture. But there is one of the books called Second Maccabees, and it tells the story of the Maccabean Revolution. And I want to read to you where this comes from. So remember, this is Holy Scripture for a Roman Catholic, and they are rooting initially this theology in this text. Uh, there's a battle. Uh, Jews go to fight, and it says, under the tunic of each one of the dead, this is the Jewish dead, they found sacred tokens of idols of Jamnia, which they're not supposed to have which the law forbids the Jews to wear. And it became clear to all, this is now the other Jews coming upon the dead bodies, that this was the reason the men had fallen or they had died in war. Mm. We know in the Old Testament, God says, don't mess with their idols or he'll kill you. So they look at these men and they say, well, clearly they couldn't stay away from the idols. This is why they're dead. So here's what the Jewish soldiers who came on the dead idol worshiping soldiers, this is what happened. It says, they blessed all the ways of the Lord, the righteous judge, who reveals the things that are hidden and they, the Jewish soldiers who are alive turn to supplication or to God for prayer, praying that the sin that had been committed by these Jewish dead soldiers um, might be wholly blotted out. And, and mm. as a, a Roman Catholic, I'm reading this book and these people are esteemed as doing a good, right thing. And here's what I know. I've got enough good doctrine to know that if I'm in hell, I can't get out. But there's something wrong. These people are not in a great place. And apparently um, their prayers have the ability to move them out of whatever place this is. Mm. So they can't be in heaven <clears throat> because their sins would be dealt with and they're holy and pure and there's no need. They can't be in hell because they're in hell. They can't get out. And so they came to this conclusion that, well, there must be a middle place called, right. it became known purgatory. as purgatory. Right. And the theology of purgatory evolved over, over a millennia. Uh, by the time you get to the Reformation of the 16th century, it had become a very abusive, terrible doctrine. Now, a thinking Roman Catholic um, is going to say, well, uh, Pastor Craig, Pastor Michael, purgatory is in the New Testament. And we all share the same New Testament, right? The same 27 books. We have the same ones. And they're going to bring you to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. And here's what, here's what it says. Paul says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives... 
he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so mm. they'll say, this is a literal fire, and these are the fires of purgatory. And if you don't have enough holiness or merit to get into heaven, you might have enough faith, but if you don't have enough holiness or merit, this is the place you go, and you'll be saved, but it's through fire as you're purified, your sin is purified, and you are given the holiness and the, the merit that you mm. require. And, and then they'll take you to one more text, and uh, I, I appreciate their thoughtfulness here, and they'll take you to Colossians 1.24, which is already an impossibly tough text of scripture. Um, but here's what Paul says. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. And they'll say, see, the, the blood of Christ accomplished most of salvation. Mm. Now you have to fill up what is lacking, even though that is not what he's talking about. He is on earth. He's talking about the church suffering on earth, mm -hmm. not in the afterlife. Um, even the context requires the Roman Catholic interpretation to be incoherent and not applicable to anything of the nature of purgatory. But they'll say, look, minimally, here's what we know. When Jesus died for our sins, there's still something we have to do. Yes, he suffered for us once for all, but it doesn't mean that once for all was enough. Now you have to come and do your part. Now this is where I want to draw your attention to, I think something really important to understand about Roman Catholicism and their gospel and salvation. Uh, they have a sacramental salvation, which means that when you participate in their sacraments, you get what's called merit or I like to call them holiness points. I know that's really derogatory, but like, like this idea that you need enough in order to have access into heaven. And as you participate in the sacraments, you get merit. And the first sacrament you have to have, which is kind of the foundation, it's like pressing start on your video game, is baptism. You have to have baptism. They believe baptism regenerates you, whether you're a baby or an adult, doesn't matter. And then your process of accruing merit begins to grow. And so many of the people in purgatory, they have been baptized. So they played the start game in the Roman Catholicism and their relationship with God. But So they can't go to hell. Uh, right. They can't go to hell unless they commit a mortal sin, mm -hmm. but they can, they, they're trying to accrue merit. Right. So every time you take communion or, or Holy Eucharist, mm -hmm. you are accruing more merit or holiness. Mm -hmm. So you might have the faith to be saved, but now you need the merit to be saved. Mm -hmm. So there's a really, um, I would call this a dark doctrine in Roman Catholicism. This is still top of the Roman Catholic church. It's not like a mystery. They don't talk about it a lot because it's a, it's a pretty inconvenient doctrine to kind of have, um, uh, in your background, but it's called the treasury of merit. And the treasury of merit is um, this celestial treasury of all of the good work, good deeds, good merit of all the saints who are in heaven, but it's all of their excess merit. It's all of the above and beyond things they did. So this merit goes into the treasury of merit. And guess who has the keys to the treasury of merit? Jesus. No, <laughs> that would be what you would think. Uh, but the Pope has the keys the to the treasury of merit. Right. And this is what drove Luther insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, this doctrine, purgatory, and then it is a doctrine that is so far removed from the gospel. And the further you get away from this, the more log the gospel, the lo more logical purgatory becomes. But once you believe in the doctrine of purgatory, if you put this doctrine in the hands of really bad men, like, I don't know, say the popes of the 16th century or mm -hmm. the 15th century, yeah. they will, they, they are now going to manipulate people's eternity. Um, and so they created things like indulgences, you mm -hmm. know, like if you give money, 
then I will tap into the treasury of merit and I will take your loved one who, by the way, I assure you is in purgatory and I will, I will move them up one level of purgatory. But if you give me more money, in fact, if you give X amount of dollars to the building of this basilica, you know, St. Peter's, I'll get them completely out and all their suffering will be done. And what he's saying is give me money. I'll go into my treasury of merit. I will take out excess merit, apply it to their account, and they'll be, they'll be good. You can see how how this drove Luther nuts. Uh, in fact, he he wrote in his ninety five theses. Well, this was genius. He wrote, "Why does not the Pope deliver all souls at the same time out of purgatory, for the sake of the most holy love and an account of the bitterest distress of those souls?" This being the most imperative of all motives, that being love. If you love these people, right. if they're your people, do this. While he saves an infinite number of souls for the sake of that most miserable thing, money, to be sent on St. Peter's minister or basilica of the church there, this being the very slightest or lowest of motives. And he's basically Luther was says, onto something. He's onto something. He's like, so you want me to follow you and you have you have complete access to the treasury of merit. You can literally tap into this celestial yeah. treasury Get and take everybody up. out, yeah. but you won't. But because only you need money? more cash, yeah. Wow. wow. Like that's manipulative. So we can understand like some of the inherent brokenness and how far away in the 16th century the Roman Catholic Church got from the gospel. And this, uh, just to interject, this yeah. also flowed into the Crusades, which is a black mark, I think, in the history of the church where mm -hmm. they became abusive there as well. And yeah. they, they would promise little old ladies that if they, uh, you know, if they gave up their their kids yeah. to uh, to go fight in these Crusades, yeah. that they would guarantee themselves and their children. Yeah, when you have a, a leader that manipulative, it's going to trickle down. Yeah. You're going to create an entire manipulative structure. Yeah. Thus the children crusade. Yep. It's yep. insane. These kids go immediately to heaven, right? Yeah. Right. They bypass purgatory. Yeah. Very abusive. Yep. Well, don't do that. And yeah. the purity of the gospel is that salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. It is not faith and works. It is faith alone. We are justified by faith alone. And unfortunately, that is not a doctrine taught in the Roman Catholic Church. But as you open up the scriptures, uh, salvation is not for good people. It's for forgiven people. Yeah. And that is essential in any Anybody, Paul says in Galatians, whether myself or an angel teaches any doctrine other than salvation is by faith and not by works, let them be accursed. This is what, this, yeah, you said blew Luther's mind, This, mm -hmm. but this is what propelled him to make such a difference. And yeah. it, the Reformation was not uh, invention of a new church. It was mm -hmm. a, his attempt to reform mm -hmm. where the church had gone astray in these mm -hmm. teachings. And thus his 95 theses, and like more than half of them dealt with indulgences yep. because he was so appalled yep. by this this abuse of the church yeah. and this introduction of, and th this abuse of this idea of purgatory. Yeah. yeah. No purgatory, no indulgences. I mean, purgatory, Indulgences are just a, they're a bad implication of a bad doctrine, which is a bad implication yeah. of manipulation and power, which is a bad, you just go down, you lose the gospel. All of a sudden, tons of bad ideas come out. So yeah. purity of the gospel. Well, it's been fun talking about this idea of purgatory. I hope that you have uh, enjoyed this as well. Again, if you have any questions, you can submit them to Sermon Q&A. We love our Roman Catholic friends, and our goal is not to, uh, not to um, necessarily... Uh, make you feel bad about what you have been taught, but to challenge everybody who listens to this sermon Q&A. So hopefully you've been challenged today. Find and look at these things and see if they are true or not. We've enjoyed our conversation. We look forward to our next one. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you next time.